See, as we sing a song like that, as we pray a prayer like that, we somehow got to get over the notion that it's just between me and God. My faith is just between me and God. Because the reality is, He's called us to a faith, but He's called us to live out that faith in community. We need each other. In fact, we talked about this last weekend, and we learned, of course, that community is not only important, it's essential because God models community for us. God himself lives in unity and community with himself, and we learn this in the scriptures because he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then the Bible makes it clear that God, who lives in community, made us in his image, which means then we need to model community. In our lives as well. That's what we need to do. And when we do this, when we get over this idea that we're kind of lone ranger Christians doing this ourselves and we really embrace community in our lives, incredible things will happen. They'll just happen. I think on this weekend, as we think maybe a bit about Dr. King and the, and the power and impact that he had, it wasn't him, it was him living in community. It wasn't him doing this by himself, it was him joining along others who lived in community and changed the face, really, of our country. When we live in community, friends, powerful things can happen. Not only that others would see, but we would experience in our own lives as well. Community is essential. And yet the reality is, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, is that we often want to run away from the very thing that we know we need most. We see community and we know that we need it. We know it's beneficial. We know that it's powerful. And yet in our lives, we embrace kind of front porch living. And, and we, we look at that front porch living and we say, okay, God calls us to that. And we go out on the front porch and we try to embrace and engage with other people. But we get scared. We get hurt. And so what we do, we run to our back decks. We run to our outdoor fireplaces, and we live in our own isolated little world. In fact, some of us in our lives, what we do, and we do this in our, in our regular world too, we, we, we construct fences around our backyards so that no one can see in, that no one knows what we're doing because we're living in our own little private world, living in isolation. And when we do this, we're living contrary to how God made us. And we shouldn't then wonder why we don't have joy in our lives, why we don't have peace in our lives. He has called us to model community. Community. And when we don't, we see the results of that. In fact, we talked last weekend about certain studies that have been done that show this to be true. In fact, one study we looked at last week reveals that for those people who would forsake community and try to embrace more isolation in their lives, they are three times more likely to die powerful. And then for those people who think, of course, well, you know what, I'm going to live in isolation, which means I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to exercise, which isn't a bad thing to do. We learned last week that studies show that it it is far better, really, to eat Twinkies with good friends than it is to eat broccoli alone. That's the reality. And the study shows that, that you're going to live a healthy, long life if you live in community. You try to live in isolation, even if you try to take care of yourself, it's going to be a shorter life because you're living contrary to how God made you. Community is that essential. God models community for us, and today we want to look at, you know, what does that look like then? 
You know, if we're living this life and as we're trying to embrace community, as we live this life, how do we know when we're successful in it? What is success? What's the mark of success? And it's the question that a teacher of the law came and asked Jesus one day. We're going to talk more about this teacher of the law next week as we begin this new series called Parables. I encourage you to come back and invite people with you because it's going to be, I think, an astounding series. But, but he comes and, and he's, he's wanting to know what does success look like? And so he is a teacher of the law, which means he knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. He knows it. And yet he comes to Jesus one day and his motivation, not necessarily the best. We'll talk about that next weekend. But he comes asking this question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And his motivation is not pure. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, we do know one thing. That this guy not only knows the Old Testament, but he also knows that this life is not all that there is. After this life, there's yet another life. And he wanted that life. He wants eternal life. So how can I inherit this eternal life is what he's asking. Well, if you lived in the first century back then and you came up to a rabbi and asked him a question... You should very much expect him to answer your question with yet another question. It's exactly what Jesus does. Take, take a look. He says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? This guy knows the law. He says, okay, in regards to the question that you're asking, this whole idea of how to live eternal life, what does the law say? And then how do you interpret this? Because there are a variety of different interpretations back then. Like there's a lot of different denominations today, a lot of interpretations of the law back then. So, so how do you read this? Tell me the answer to your own question according to the law that you know so well. And the guy gives his answer, and it's this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so this guy's answer to his own question about how can I know if I can have eternal life, really, really the answer is this. If I'm going to have eternal life, it means that I need to live in community. I need to live in community with God, which means I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But it also means that I have to live in community with my neighbors. I need to live in community with others. That was his answer. Was it right? But Jesus looks at him and he answers the question, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Live in community with God. Live in community with others and you will live. And this guy wanted to live more than anything else. We do as well. And so in order to make sure he knew what that looked like, he didn't want to get it wrong. In his mind he's thinking, okay, if I have to love God, I got that figured out. If I have to love others... Well, I, I want to make sure that I get this right. And so he asked this follow-up question of Jesus. He says, okay, well, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because you know what? I don't want to waste time loving the wrong people. Because they're not going to get me anywhere. They're not going to get me eternal life. I want to know who the right people are so I can get what I'm looking for. So who are the right people? Who's my neighbor? How would you answer that question? Who's your neighbor? He asked, who is my neighbor? And right now what I want to do is press pause on the story for just a moment and take a look at more of the totality of Christ's teachings regarding this subject. Who is my neighbor? 
So we're going to come back to the story. But for now, we're going to go to another account. When Jesus, he's meeting with his disciples, and he, he knows he's going to die. And so he lays out his strategic plan for their lives, how they're going to spread the gospel around the world. In fact, prior to this meeting, he'd already made it clear to them what the most important commandment was, which was to love God and love others, the same one that this teacher of the law had just brought up. And now as he meets with his disciples, he takes advantage of the opportunity to make sure they know at least one group of people that fit within the others category. Who are these others I need to be loving? Well, to this, he makes it very clear. And he says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if, and that's a big if, you love one another. So Jesus makes it clear that our love for one another is one of the defining characteristics of true community. So are you loving the people around you, behind you, in front of you, beside you? Because Jesus would say, your neighbors are right around you, right now in this room. Are you loving them? Are you? Now, when that teacher of the law came up to Christ that particular day, he knew something very, very clearly that all the Jewish people would know. That if you're going to please God in your life, you're going to make God happy. It meant that you needed to abide by 613 different commandments that were found in the Old Testament. That's a lot of commandments to live by. And to make it easier, they broke them down into two categories. 248 of them were positive commands, commands to do something. For example, honor your father and mother. This is what you must do. And then 365 of them, most of the commandments were negative commandments or commands not to do something. For example, thou shalt not murder. And so I want to apply this to this new command that Christ gives. Regarding this command to love one another, what are some things that we should do according to Scripture to show that we actually are? To show that we're actually embracing community. Now, back then, they had 248 commands. I thought that'd be a bit too much, uh, you know, for this particular setting. So I thought we'd kind of narrow it down to perhaps God's top 10. The top 10 things we need to do to show that we're living in community. Let's take a look at them very quickly. First, we've got to be devoted to one another. Romans 12, verse 10 says, be devoted to one another. Many times, as American Christians, we're devoted to ourselves. We're devoted to our own families, but not so much devoted to others. Are you devoted to the people sitting behind you? The people sitting in front of you, beside you? Are you devoted to them? Well, you would know by looking at number two. You're devoted to them if you accept one another without holding judgment. If you accept one another without holding judgment. You see, everybody's sinned. We've all done things we're ashamed of. And some people are just looking for a place where they can go. Where someone is not looking down their noses at them. So you know what? I'm a sinner too. And as sinners, let's, let's be on this journey together to following Christ. Are you like that? Truly, in your heart, do you accept others without holding judgment? That's one attribute, of course, of being devoted. And then thirdly, you've got to serve one another. Are you looking for opportunities to serve other people here? Many times in our churches, we come and we benefit from other people who are serving. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to live in community, it means you've got to put the shoe on your foot too. And you've got to take the gifts that you have and serve. What would it look like for you to watch a baby during this hour, for example, and just bless 
a young couple so they can be here together? What would it look like for you to serve in our epic ministry or serve in our engaged ministry, helping people to connect with the life of this church? What would it look like for you to serve? Because that is part of living in community. We also have to speak the truth to one another. Which means when you see somebody failing in their, in their life, you don't say, you know what, that's none of my business. No, you'd say, oh, that's my neighbor. And because they're my neighbor, I've got to step in. I've got to speak truth and love to them to help them. We also have to show compassion to one another. And that takes time because you never know once you start showing compassion how, how long that person is going to need your compassion. So we've got to show compassion. Also, we have to forgive one another. Stop holding grudges. And we need to forgive one another. We also need to comfort one another. In fact, the Bible says we need to comfort one another with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We have to pray for one another. When you pray, do you pray for yourself? Probably you pray for your meal, but do you pray for us? Do you pray for everyone here and for the church here? That's what it looks like to live in community. We also have to seek good for one another. Which means that I think the best of you, you think the best of me. Do you do that? You're always kind of wondering, I don't know about that person, huh? We've got to seek good for one another. And also we've got to be kind to one another. You've got to be kind. It doesn't seem that hard, right, to be kind to one another. These would be ten things, the Bible says, that we have to do in order to show that we're living in community. And if we do these things, what will be the natural outcome, Jesus says? This world will see our love for one another and will know that we are his disciples. And that's huge. That's huge. Well, that's just ten things. You can probably find a few more if you kind of look around the Bible. How about looking at the other side of the coin? What are some things we should not do that would show that we're living in community here, that we're loving our neighbors right here in this room? Well, of course, back in the day, they had 365 of these not-to-do things. I thought I'd limit it to our discussion to just one. You can go home and figure out some others yourself if you want to. But I'm going to talk about just one. It's very clear in the Bible. It says, do not forsake meeting regularly with one another. And in our age today, we forsake this often. As Christians, we think, oh, once a month going to church, that's good. I mean, every other week, man, that's going way over the top. The Bible would say, no, look for every opportunity to live with each other, love one another. Don't forsake it. And if we engage with one another on a regular basis, what will be the natural outcome according to Jesus? Well, this world will know that we are his disciples. And that's huge. See, I'm talking about this, friends, because I want you to know how high the stakes really are. I want you to see that there are no other alternatives than than embracing, really, Christ's vision for community. Right here, right in this room, right in this church. Friends, I would say this, that the credibility of the gospel is at stake. That's how important that it is. Because, friends, if we come here to church, and yet people look at our church and the people in this church, and they don't see our love for one another, which means they're not going to know we are his disciples, how in the world will they recognize him? It's that important. We need to be loving those in the faith. That's the first lesson. We've got to love those in the faith. Your neighbor sitting right behind you, right in front of you, right beside you. Are you loving them? Well, then in addition to loving your neighbor right here in the faith, you've got to love those outside the faith. And that brings us all the way back to the question this man asked Jesus. He says, okay, who's my neighbor? 
And Jesus could have just merely answered the question, made it simple for this guy, but he was a rabbi. He, he doesn't operate like that. And so what did Jesus do? He told him a story. A story we're going to take a look at more in depth next weekend. Bring some friends with you because I believe the most popular parable that Jesus ever taught. There are some truths if you dig down deep you've never seen before and I don't want you to miss it. So come back next week. Bring someone with you. But for right now, he says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, we kind of think of this as kind of a fairy tale, right? He's just telling a story about some road out there. But this guy would have known the road. There was a road that, that came from Jerusalem all the way down to Jericho. It descended some 3,000 feet. It was about 17 or 18 miles long. And everyone knew the road. And as Jesus began to tell this story, this guy could see it in his mind's eye. In fact, this road was so dangerous, you would not travel it alone. You traveled in a group. Because if you dare to travel it alone, you're going to get attacked by robbers. That's what happened on this road. And so this would have made sense to this man, this teacher of the law. So this guy, he's traveling this road. He gets attacked by robbers. Jesus said they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. We're going to talk next week about what it looks like to pass by on the other side. What, what does that phrase actually mean? But for now, what we see is the most likely candidate to help this person is a priest. And he's the most likely candidate because he gets paid to do this. This is his job. It's his job to help people, show them grace, show them compassion, show them mercy. And even so, he sees this guy and he passes by on the other side. Leaves him alone in his pain priest does this. Well, then he continues to tell the story. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Who's a Levite? What's the importance of a Levite? Well, a Levite would be somebody who assisted the priest in the temple. And so whatever the priest wouldn't do or didn't want to do, it was left to the Levite to do. So he kind of got the leftovers, if you would. So I want you to imagine this Levite traveling the road, seeing this priest before him, and the priest sees this man in need, passes by on the other side, and to a Levite, you say, okay, well, I guess that's my job now. He didn't want to do it. The leftovers are, they go to me. So now this Levite, he sees this man, and yet he passes by on the other side. Now this teacher of the law, Jesus has his full attention priest passes by, a Levite passes by. I mean, who's left? And then comes the twist in the story. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Why would he pour on oil and wine? We'll talk about that next week. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. A Samaritan does this. Now, this is a twist in the story because a Samaritan, unlike a priest, unlike a Levite, was somebody who was not only not respected, he was hated. The Jews hated the Samaritans because they were not fully Jewish. They were half-breeds. And the Jewish people hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans returned the favor and hated them back. And so now we find the most unlikely candidate, a Samaritan helping a half-dead man, 
and dressing his wounds, taking care of him, bringing him to an end, and then paying for his expenses. And so we see this guy at the bottom of the food chain acting like a man at the top of the food chain. And did you notice what he did? He didn't care about that guy's religion. Was he of the right religion, the wrong religion? The guy didn't care. Was he of his faith? He didn't know. He didn't know if the guy lived a good life or a bad life. It didn't matter to him because all he saw was someone who was in need, someone who was made in the image of God who needed love and grace shown to them. And this Samaritan was kind of walking around in Jewish territory, takes a risk and loves this guy. Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. 2,000 years of time have passed, friends. And Jesus is still saying that to you and to me. Go and do likewise. Are you doing likewise? Are you? Because it's paramount, friends. It's essential. One pastor stated it this way. He says, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. See, the world is watching our relationship with each other, how we do with each other and live in community here and elsewhere. Friends, is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Basically, they're saying, oh, you know, I heard all about what you believe. Why don't you show me for a change? It's that important. If you're going to shrink down that statement a little bit more, you could state it this way. The big idea of our study, that Christian community is the final apologetic. It's the final apologetic. You see, an apologist is somebody who spends his or her time defending the faith so that people who don't believe it will be won over to the other side and become a believer as well. That's an apologist. And so what this is saying is Christian community, if we're loving our neighbors here and we're loving our neighbors out there, it serves as a defense to our faith. It shows our faith as being valid, truthful, and pure. Are you doing likewise? Because Jesus made it clear in his teachings, we are to love those inside the faith right here. We're to love those outside the faith. How do we do this? Practically, what does this look like? But before I answer that question, I want you to take a look at this brief video we put together to help you kind of understand what we're about as a church and then the practical steps we are giving you as a church to live community out in your life. Take a look. Our mission statement here at MCC is this, engaging people to live and serve like Jesus. And when it comes to the word engage, 
We take our lead from Jesus. Because you see, he engaged people through the big gatherings. He stood on a hillside and thousands and thousands of people would come and hear him speak so their lives could be changed. That's why Engage Here means our worship service. You're experiencing it right now. And that's why I want to encourage everyone who wants to be a part of MCC to be a regular part of our service. Because this is our opportunity to gather together, be changed by his word, and leave this place ready to make a difference. And once we're engaged, how do we help people live and serve like Jesus? In community. We want to do it the way the early church did. You see, for the first few hundred years of the rise of the church, the primary means used to spread the gospel was the home church. That's why we encourage everyone here at MCC to first of all be part of a weekend service, and then secondly, to be part of a group. In fact, we offer four different types of groups here at MCC. First of all, we offer life stage groups depending on where you are in life's journey. Whether you're single, newly married, been married for 20 years, or trying to figure out how to parent your children, we have a group for you. And we have, secondly, our grow groups. These groups have been set aside to help people grow in their faith by studying scripture together. Because studies also show that it is hard for anyone to grow spiritually if they're struggling emotionally, we offer care groups. These groups have been set aside to be a place where you can come and be part of community and be healed. Lastly, we offer go groups. This is an opportunity for people to go out and tangibly make a difference by relationally connecting with those they have the opportunity to serve. It's our hope that you will join us to help make this vision a reality. I have a fan in the front row. We're thankful. You know, as your pastor and one of the pastors here, I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how much I care for you. And I care for you enough to tell you that I think I know what's going on in some of your minds right now. Four types of groups, and when do I have time for that? And suddenly we start hearing, oh, I understand. i got to live in community. I know it's good for me. It's good for others. Great things happen when we live in community, but I can't do it because of this, 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 this. And I love you enough and care for you enough to say, don't listen to that voice. Not right now and not when you leave this place in a few moments. Take the steps needed in your life to embrace community. We've given you four different alternatives. I want you to hear from each of these leaders here today. They lead uh, these four different types of groups. And, And with an open heart, with an open mind, I want you to ask God, God, which one of these groups do you want me to take part in? Which one? Today we have Tom Sherwood. He is leading our, our, our life stage groups and our grow groups. You're going to hear from him. Christy Moser, she, she leads our care groups, an essential part of our ministry. And then we have Jeff Spencer here. He leads our go groups. And I want you to hear from them. And all the while again, ask God, God, which one of these groups do you want me to take part in? Because community, friends, it's essential. It's essential. So let's take the steps needed, the daring steps needed to take part in it. And as they begin, can we welcome them and thank them for their leadership here today? Good morning. It's great to be here this morning to share with you what God is doing with groups here at MCC. Uh, If you'll take a second, 
Uh, we have group guides that are on the inside of each row. I'm going to ask you to pass those down. Even if you got one last week, I think you'll find it valuable as we go through the various groups to be able to look at what we're talking about and see some of the definitions. I think that'll be helpful. The first group that you would come to in your guide are grow groups. I'm going to allow a, an email from one of our leaders to help you understand and define what a, what a grow group is. Uh, this is an email in response to someone who emailed him to say, I'm interested in your group. Can you tell me more about kind of what you guys are about, that sort of thing? And so he begins by introducing himself, and he gives some information about the group, its makeup, its three couples and four singles, and where the group meets and when. And, and then he goes on to talk about the group itself. And he says, we are not a Bible study group. Though scripture is the foundation of how we endeavor to live our lives. We are not a marriage group, though marriage and family are the foundation of the relationships God created, and we will focus on strengthening them. We are not a prayer group, though we will never meet without praying together. We are not a book club, but may at times choose to read one together. We are a group that is in the process of discovering what it would mean to do life together. Over time, we want to know one another deeply and support and encourage one another in whatever experience or need as it arises. Just the last couple of months have proven pretty amazing. We have discovered that we are all broken people in need of God's grace in our lives. We welcome you to join us in experiencing a small picture of of what the church in Acts looked like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Don't you want to be a part of a group like that? Don't you want to provide community to others like that? So I want to say that's, that's what Pastor Rill was talking about. That's front, front porch living. That's getting off your back deck and getting to the front porch. And I just want to echo what he was saying is you're missing out on all the passerbys that are walking past our communities if you don't get out there. And this grow group, these grow groups are great places to see this happen. And so I encourage you to do that. If you open up your guide and you go past the, the first page and then flip over yet another page, I should say I had someone after the last service. Did I disappear? Nope, I'm still here. Good. Sorry, I thought the mic died. Uh, at the last service, somebody came back out into the lobby and they said, I want to be in that group. You know, that email. Can you show me which one? And I said, I can. All of these groups are echoing that story. That's how they're communicating what they're about. And so I encourage you to take a look at this list. Go online. If you go to the very back, 
cover, you'll see a web address. And that's really how to engage in groups. All four of these, you can get more information about them. You can email the leader. You can find uh, their email address there. Ask them questions. If, if child care is an issue, as it is for some, ask them, what do you guys do with your, your children? And they'll help you problem solve it. We'll help you find a group that really works for you. So you look on that page and you'll see for two pages, every day of the week is covered with a group. So that usually is the biggest uh, determining factor is, you know, just what one day of the week works. Uh, go through there. Again, email me if you're not finding what you're looking for. Uh, we'll help you get into a group. If you turn to the next page, you'll see groups for women. Uh, wonderful tradition here at MCC of Tuesdays during the day. Uh, where we have groups meeting, there's child care provided uh, for women, some wonderful studies. One of the highlights is Believing Jesus, uh, which is by Lisa Harper, who spoke at our women's Christmas event. Uh, incredible, We're offering two different sessions of that. Uh, wonderful group. Again, you'll see that they meet throughout the week as well. If, uh, if you have a job during the day, we certainly can find a women's group if that's what you're looking for. That can meet your schedule. You turn the page, and you'll see groups for men. And uh, we men are difficult creatures uh, to open ourselves up and to admit that uh, we're we're not an island, but we need help. And these groups are great groups to do that in. Uh, Thirty three the series is a group that you can just take a test drive. It's six weeks. We'll be doing another session in the spring. You can read about there called A Man and His Traps, an amazing place to get connected. And we have other men's groups that are ongoing that meet before work. If family time in the evenings is an issue, that's a great way for a husband or a father or a single man to connect in community. And then I come to the second type of group, and that's the life stage group. And these are groups like Financial Peace University and parenting groups. And they're really semester-based groups that are intended to provide a supplement to your spiritual growth and, and practical application within supportive community. And again, they, they're, they're short-lived, but again, very powerful groups uh, to be in. Um, my family, over the course of our lives, have uh, had themes for years. Occasionally we'll pick one and maybe it's uh, to get our life in order and that's this is the year of order or this is the year of health. And uh, this year um, I've heard for myself that this is to be the year of dependence. I'm a guy who feels very self-sufficient and that I can do it on my own and I don't need anyone's help. And the Lord has convinced me that I need to depend upon him but I need to depend upon others. And even more so, I need to make myself available to others so they can depend upon me. And so I'm committed to that. That's the way to live. That's the way uh, to live a life of adventure. And so I encourage you to take a look at those two groups. Now Christy Moser will come and introduce care groups. Thank you. Good morning. What I'm most excited about um, as we launch our groups for this winter and spring is the community that we get to do it in. Um, God knows that we're broken, 
and that uh, we all go through hard times in our lives. But what's exciting is that we don't have to go through those times alone. We can work things to get out together collectively so that we're able to seek his guidance, his direction, and most importantly, his unfailing love. And that's why we've created care groups here at MCC. Um, you can find those listed in your group guide under the blue here in the care groups. But what I want to do is draw your attention to one area, and that's what we've created on Thursday nights. We're carving out a time where we can come together as God's children and work on our junk. Who's got some junk going on in here? I have some things in my life um, that I need to work on. We all do. Um, this time that we're going to be having is called the gathering. And it's a place where we can come together, we can worship God, and then we're going to break up off into our either open or closed care groups. Those groups include divorce care, grief share, the third option, life's healing choices, and solutions. Uh, financial peace is also going to be a part of that night. So it's a time where we worship together, and then we break out into those groups. Worship on that night is so important because it gives us a time to connect with God and to invite him in to do the work, his work within us. We are not perfect, but we're privileged to know the one man who is and the only man who ever was, and that's Jesus Christ. And it's through his life that ours was spared and that we're given grace so that our, life, our, our sins, our imperfections, and our flaws do not have to define us. It's easy to come in on a Sunday morning and be here for an hour and say, I'm good. I got it all together. But in reality, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we have it all together. Sometimes we're messed up. <laughs> it means that we have acknowledged, though, that our life is not our own and we need grace to get us through each and every day. So thankfully, we have this community. We don't have to do it alone. So I'm inviting you to join us as we're healing together. The gathering is going to be starting on February 4th at 6.30 in the gallery. As your local outreach pastor, I'm excited that we're launching a new type of group, and that's our Go Groups. In the past, here at MCC, we've had events where we would maybe once a year have a big serve event, and then maybe sporadically have different uh, events throughout the year. But these are going to be ongoing groups. And as Phil has mentioned in the past, what our mission is, it's to engage people to live and serve like Jesus. And last year we defined what does it mean to serve? What does serve mean? It means to basically, uh, to without, uh, without being selfish, it's unselfishly acting by living, I'm sorry, by uh, serving those by blessing them in word and deed in order that lives are transformed by Jesus Christ. So you have the, the word portion, which is the gospel, and then you have the deed portion, which is the serving. And so that's how we're going to do it. Now, there's going to be broken up into three categories. They're going to be weekly, monthly, and on demand or as needed. And I was going to wrap them this morning, but I have no rhythm, and that would be awkward for all of us. So, uh, here they are. So the weekly groups uh, start out with tutoring over at Stewart Elementary. We partner with City Gospel Missions Whiz Kids program. It's a, if you can read the brochure, you can tutor a child, and it makes a difference in their lives. We also have one of our major partners, Operation Give Back, and there's four different ways that you can serve 
at Operation Giveback. They have a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday tutoring program as well as whiz kids there. Uh, on Wednesdays, they have a food pantry where if you speak Spanish, uh, that is a huge need there on Wednesdays. And then finally, on the Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, they need office help. They need folks that can answer the phones and also do some general office work. The other a new one is the benevolence team, and that will be on Thursdays. So right after the gathering worship time, we're going to have a special group that will meet with those who have applied for financial or material assistance. Uh, and with that, uh, we're going to find out how we can help them and then also create a relationships where we can ongoing help them and, and bring Jesus to them. Also, there is another uh, type of go group that's weekly, uh, and that's the large furniture pickup and delivery. Uh, now, I don't know if you know Big John Gatsby. He's tall. He always wears the Pittsburgh Steelers outfits, which... He just taunts us, and that's okay. Uh, but, uh, but, but he uh, has an incredible ministry where he gets phone calls where people saying, hey, I'm replacing my fridge, so would you pick this up? And we pick it up, and we deliver it. So we need folks who can help move and pick up furniture. And there's also the, the Helping Hands ministry. And that's uh, minor home repairs with uh, seniors and also uh, for, for uh, the uh, senior adults as well as mothers, single mothers, and others as well. So uh, we have one new opportunity. I want to let you know this is just a start of our groups. Uh, We have a new one that just came in this week, and that's with Jobs Plus. Uh, They have a a mentoring program at River City, which basically you go out once a week and you mentor with with an inmate, and it's a great program to be involved with. Uh, Right now we have one monthly group meeting, and that's the Village Green Group. Uh, that basically is a special group that goes out and helps repair the mobile homes and also do special projects to a primarily uh, Hispanic community. Then you get down to the when needed category. Uh, it has uh, their safe families, which basically you can, you can help out by caring for a child for a temporary time period, or they need folks who can transport uh, families and pick up diapers, babysit. That's one area you can be involved with. There's Habitat for Humanity. They have special projects throughout the year in our area where they rehab houses. And then finally, there's the on-demand group. And that's going to be the one-time serve opportunities that uh, on Thursdays I'll create a list of of upcoming events that you can get involved with, with your family uh, and single adults as well can can, uh, join that as well. So I would encourage you to get involved with Go Groups. Uh, Jesus said it's more blessed to give Uh, then receive. And boy, when you serve, you are very blessed. So thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Awesome. So I encourage you to get in. Uh, Go online or stop by the atrium there. There are people there to answer any questions you have around the tables. And let's all of us stand together. And if you could, could you take the hand of your neighbor? Uh, Whoever your neighbor is, wherever your neighbor is, take the hand of your neighbor. Friends, more and more we need to understand this is our family. This is our community of faith right here. And I'm thankful for each one of you and what God's doing in our midst. And let's continue to join him in what he has for us. And when we do, I tell you what, we're going to be amazed at what he does. Dear Father, we thank you for the community of faith that's here right now. All the neighbors that are in this room 
And God, as we prepare to go out of this place now, help us to love all those neighbors that are all throughout the city. People who don't know you, people who do, people who are hurting, people who need care. Lord, help us to represent you wherever we go. And Lord, help us to hold firmly on to what you value so intensely, community. God, I pray for each person that's here now and they've listened to each one of these leaders up front and had many thoughts go through their their heads. And Lord, I pray that as we go out, Lord, that people would sign up. They'd sign up at the tables. They'd sign up online. And God, give us the courage to take that step that's needed to engage in community here. Lord, the more that we do this, the more that we know that you're going to work in amazing ways here because we're representing you. We're made in your image. And so God, bless each one today as we go out into this world and help us to never forget who we are. That if we're saved, if we're following you, Jesus, that we are precious, we are prized. And we represent you wherever we go. So help us, Lord, to go out now and make a tangible difference in the lives of our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors, the people at the gas station. Wherever we go, use us, we pray. And as always, may you receive all the praise and the honor and the glory for the outcome, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Go out. Make it a great week. Bring someone with you next weekend. We'll see you. Alone.